Hello, this is Dan Chagru, and welcome to the More Art Than Science podcast, where I explore the relationship between art and commerce by talking to artists, presenters, and performers about how they got their start and how they make ends meet. Welcome to episode 13, where I feel truly lucky to have had an opportunity to interview Kaki King. I first saw Kaki perform in 2006 in Dallas. I'd spent the day complaining to colleagues in my day job that there was no live music ever in Dallas. And my coworker, determined to prove me wrong, took me to a bar in Deep Ellum to see Kaki perform. I had never heard of her, the venue was small, and there must have been no more than a few dozen people in the audience, and I had very little in the way of expectations. But Kaki's playing absolutely blew me away. She has a rhythmic style that is, in my opinion, second to no other guitar player. Her voice was captivating. Her songs were beautiful. She was also funny, telling just off-color jokes between songs that cracked me up. I bought her CD until we felt red that night and played it out until four months later when she came to Boston to perform at the Paradise Rock Club. By that time, word had gotten out about Khaki and I was one of about a thousand patrons at a sold out show. Khaki has since gone on to record a half dozen more albums, appeared on David Letterman and Jimmy Fallon, and continues to write, record, and perform captivating music. So I was a bit starstruck going into this interview, but I was thrilled to learn that not only is she a gifted guitarist, she's also one of the kindest and most empathic people I have ever met. On to the interview. So Kaki King, welcome to the University of Rhode Island Guitar Festival. It's great to be here. It's great to see you. It's an honor. Um, I'm a huge fan. So I'm curious, maybe we can start out with just coming out of, or actually the experience of COVID as a musician. Um, what were some of the things that you were able to do, not able to do? I was able to get to the point where I could successfully parent my, at the time, two and five-year-old. They're now seven and four. So we've been in, been in this for a minute. And pretty much nothing else. I My mental health was not great. I um, really did not thrive in my home. <laughs> I did not enjoy playing music to my phone, so I didn't do much of that. I did a little bit. Um, but the whole experience was, um, for me as a musician, a complete disaster. But, you know, as a person, we all, we all grow and what doesn't kill us, da-da-da. Um, but no, I, I did not have any kind of personal re- renaissance. I was a mess and I am glad to be less of a mess. Yeah. I'm, I'm very relieved to hear you say that actually, because I, you hear a lot of people who are saying like, yeah, use the extra commute time to play, oh practice a little bit more. And you know. yeah, not me. I was like, get me out. Okay, I, yeah. So you're a human being. In other I words. will say too, that I did, you know, sort of interestingly at some point I finally, I finally had to go, I don't, I don't, this may never happen again. Like it may be, this may be it. It may be that I can play a local show here and there outside, but I may never travel and play guitar again. And so I had to spend a lot of time going back and going, I'm really, really grateful for what I did get to do. Like really serious gratitude. And, you know, at that point I was like, okay, so what, what do I do now? I'm like, okay, I'm going to work out. I'm going to get tattoos. I'm going to drink coffee. I'm going to join the PTA. I'm just going to kind of be a person and be a mom. And then out of nowhere, there's a gig here. There's a tour there. So it like the, the bandaid just, I mean, um, the rubber band just went and suddenly it's like, we're back to work and there's been no 
time to process what we lost and I'm I'm having emotional whiplash from that um so that's kind of where I am today so you're playing live tonight and Mm -hmm. what number gig post COVID is this well again is it post or is it it's a different world so we are I am probably on gig number six maybe yeah emerging from the cocoon emerging for sure yeah what about teaching was teaching a part of your life before covid teaching was part of so at some point i did realize that you actually don't you know i'm not going to be a, a helpful instructor if you're coming to learn how to play a you know g flat 7 sus4 like i don't even know what that is but i am i have a lot of experience and i have a i really like listening and i really like and really like meeting people. And I think that those two things alone were very helpful for just just being present for people who had questions or had curiosities or wanted some feedback. And so I started to make myself more available for master classes. Now I do master classes where I play and I you know play a little, I take a question, I try to play the next thing based on that question, etc. And I really enjoy it. I think that I've I sort of surprised my own self by enjoying teaching far more than I ever knew I would. Um, it's very rewarding. People are very generous and sweet. It's wonderful meeting people in an intimate way and under- and sort of seeing their story and how it mimics yours in some ways. So I quite enjoy it. Um, but it wasn't a, it's sort of, it's not like a standard thing that I do regularly. I don't have private students. I don't have, um, I did for a minute, but again, that wasn't really what I was good at. I'm sort of good at giving people a session and trying to make myself and my experience available and, you know, to help in whatever way I can. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm imagining. So we're just coming off of a master class here mm-hmm. at the University of Rhode Island, and I could see the empathy and I could see the the joy in your interaction with the students. Yeah, so I really I really get a huge kick out of meeting, you know, meeting people not as, you know, someone standing at the merch table after the show, which I'd love as well, but like, you know, seeing that they're a player too and they've got their own vibe and they've got a, a, a direction um, and yeah, it, it, and they and turned me on to all kinds of other music, and it's just it's a great thing to do. Yeah, so uh, so the sense I get from you know many artists, and I'm sure you're aware that th- w- when they're first coming up, they sort of need to subsidize their income by teaching. Some sure. of them may like it, some may want to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, some have to. Um, you, it sounds like you didn't really have to go through that phase. I mean, I, I know you've got a, a, a long discography. You've <laughs> uh, I think 10, 10 total. Okay. I need to update yeah. my playlist. <laughs> <laughs> what was the transition like? Because I, I also, I'm, I, if I understand correctly, you didn't have, you didn't go to like formal guitar school. Oh, no. Yeah. So at some point you're playing guitar. Mm-hmm. I, I know you, you know, you busked in the subways, et cetera. Um, or, or no, actually, no, you went NYU, right? Yes. Went to NYU. Um, so you had some formal instruction there. I had some formal instruction on a lot of Western culture and literature that has now allowed me to be mildly successful at the Wednesday New York Times crossword puzzle, and that is basically it. I can barely do a Thursday, really. I My whole education was... I <laughs> you took guitar as well there, no? There's, no, oh, I never not? studied okay, guitar. So, okay. No, I was, I failed, I flunked theory, I pa- man- managed to pass theory one and I flunked theory two. And then I did take an ear training class, which was invaluable. But that is the extent of my collegiate music entire, the entire thing. That was it. Okay. Um, and those were both electives. So anyone from any part of 
in why you could take them. I was not in the music school. I was in the like, oh, make up your own major school. I mean, I was a flaky, immature, you know, completely lost child. And guitar was something I did and loved, but I never thought I would study it or play it professionally. That was not the plan. It was not a goal. Okay, so so what was the inflection point? Because at some point you right. put so, in enough effort to make an album. 9-11 happened. And I had just, I was taking the summer semester, so I would have technically graduated um, September 12th. That would have been when I, I know. So that was like the, you know, the official end of college forever for me, undergrad, would have been September 12th. So that, you know, I managed to get a, the degree, but that, you, you know, walk down the aisle, right? yeah, <laughs> I mean, like launching into um adulthood the day after 9-11 was just you know very it was very it was very challenging and at some point you know and in weird weird parallel to COVID I was I I was just isolated I was just in my apartment um not knowing what to do there were no job I mean I thought I would just live in the city get a job hang around play with friends do whatever and then go on music with friends or play music with friends totally and uh and then you know figure out my life basically so I ended up needing I I remember the moment I was like I'm just going to do this I'm just going to go play music in the subway I don't know what I'm getting into but I I can't be here in my home anymore I can't I need something to go I need somewhere I needed somewhere to go and I needed to see people and um you know and it's not like New York was it was different obviously completely different from COVID but everyone was so similar and just this complete it's just the on-edgeness was just so it was so visceral and, and you know for months we had fire planes flying over i mean living in the experience living in the city post 9-11 was a very very interesting experience yeah very formative point is i started playing in the subway because i needed the cash and i was lonely turned out to be pr- I, people received me pretty well and i think they were just grateful to see a musician in the subway period like mm-hmm. oh okay things are going to be okay we're returning to normal so um, they kept asking me, and keep in mind, this is this is twenty, this is two thousand and one. So CDs were still a thing, and people would say, "Oh, do you have a CD? Do you have a CD?" I thought, "Hmm, if I can make ten dollars every time someone asks me this question, this will be good." That is the reason I made my first CD, which became my first album. Um, it was not just purely capitalistic, but in a way like, hey, I might as well take these tunes that I've written and compile them in a way because people want them. Was it capitalist enough that your communist friends wanted to kill you? My communist friends have always wanted to kill me, (laughs) but we're still friends, but they want to kill me. (laughs) Death by friend. I mean, there can be worse ways to go. (laughs) I think a lot of people probably get killed by their very dear friends (laughs) one way or another. Um, So yeah, so that was, that was why the first album was made. And then that demo CD, I mean, I made, I even made the, the packaging myself. It made its way. Okay, so totally self-made. That was going to be my next totally question. Totally self-made. Okay. In your apartment with? Uh, with other with other friends that had little rigs, you know, like a g- guy that worked at a studio, a friend of mine, another friend that, you know, had a home set up. You know, they would just set me up, and, and it was usually just just one mic in the in front of the guitar, some compression. No reverb. Let's do it. Very dry. Nice. Very dry. Yeah. So, yeah. So then um, that CD was fat, like it led me to a gig, a paid gig at the Knitting Factory, which is unheard of. Nice. But I got a hundred bucks a night just to play, which is still just, just to play. I don't have to sell a single ticket. And then from there, someone saw me 
and signed me to their record label, and I was with them for 12 years. It's like a Cinderella story. It's beautiful. <laughs> it is a Hollywood story that I don't recommend anyone trying to follow that. Okay, don't try this It at is home. truly yes. the, like, oh, the, like, A&R guy in the back of the audience sees some, you know, talent in the dive bar and is like, I'm going to make you a star. I mean, it is a terrible movie script, the story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're the sixteenth person I've interviewed, and and you know, and that, the story you just told is a story I think we've all been fed, or many yes. of us were fed growing yeah, up. Like totally. that, this is how you do it. You got to just keep gigging until someone notices you, and you know, yeah. Um, and you're the first out of sixteen where that actually happened. Right, so, but I wasn't trying to make that happen. Right. I was just going with the flow. Most maybe that's part part <laughs> of the lesson. I don't know, but uh, also, of course, yeah. Well, talent is another. I think probably had a bit of. Someone else will have to speak to that. <laughs> I'll edit that in later. I'll edit in the, <laughs> the, the, la the laudatory comments. The other thing I was wondering about, so you've got a discography coming, um, and then, you know, we've before COVID, we have this shift to streaming. And, I, and one of the things yeah. that I frankly appreciate is that almost all of your stuff is available on well, Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, and I love making my Khaki King playlists and picking out the stuff I love and, you know, and just, and playing them. Um, not everybody does that, as you probably know. What was your decision process around, like, whether or, or, or was it not your decision, was it the label's decision to put the stuff up there? Because I, we, I know the economics we've talked about in past episodes of, you know, point zero 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 three seven, uh, depending yeah, yeah, yeah. on, yeah. Um, okay, I can speak to streaming in a, in a, in a sort of bigger way. Like, when mm. you see the tsunami coming, do you <laughs> yell at the tsunami? <laughs> or do you just go, I just need to get a good enough boat to survive this you know i just i look at streaming like this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to music i at the touch of a button have access to so much music and my children can be exposed to things that instantly like if i want to find something like the it's and not just like the streaming for money services, but, you know, obscure playlists that people have thrown up on YouTube. You know, it's like it the it's I, I I'm sure I will probably get some hate mail just from this podcast alone. But for me as a consumer mm -hmm. and a fan, I am like, this is genius. It should be it should cost a thousand times more than it does. That's that's my problem. Sure. Is it for what I am getting? I'm willing to pay. I am willing to pay. And many, many people are willing to pay. And I don't understand why these, not only do the streaming services make a fortune and pay the artists virtually nothing, but like, I don't, I have not delved into it because I know that that's, that takes me to the dark place. And frankly, I, I don't need to go there, but I, someone, this is an, it's an incredible access to this, like just, just this extravagance of wealth. Um, musical wealth and there's inequality and there's nonsense but there's still just like you you know you can like I, I can listen to someone's record that someone pulled that didn't even know people didn't even know what existed there were like 50 copies made and you know from the 40s and I would I'm I'm willing to pay and that's what that's the thing about streaming that I don't understand is I believe that most people would too like ten dollars a month for the access that I have just through one streaming service is unreal. It is the cheapest. You can't like what's cheaper than that? You know, yeah. for the amount that I use it as a musician, as a fan, as a interested, you know, 
so that that's where I go to the in streaming. I'm not fighting it. I love it. I think that it is just changed the face of music as we know it. It's changed the face of music celebrity as we know it. It's incredible. It's it's given artists way way more power than people realize. Um, and and I do not understand the financials of it on the consumer side and on the you know on the distributor side. Right, and then there's and I don't want to bring you too close to the dark place, but then th- there's the artist side, right? I mean, so I, I would imagine that calculus has changed after streaming, you know, CD sales obviously falling off a cliff. Right, but CD sales were, it was they yeah. were too expensive to begin with. This is true. I mean, so $18 for a piece yep. of plastic? Like, yep. get over yourself. So that was one of the issues too, yep. you know, is it was overpriced. And then when I, I mean, like I'm old, but I remember being a kid and AOL started sending you I mean, this is America Online. Yep, yep. And they would send you CDs in the mail. And yep. we're like a group of people. You know, I'm a teenager, and I'm used to buying a CD for $18. And all of a sudden, you're getting one. And I'm getting a... F- I'm like, this is worth nothing. So even before Radiohead started releasing their music for no money, I was like, there, there's, there's no value in this physical thing. We know right. this now. And even though it has a shiny side and it has some graphics, like that ain't worth nothing. So to me, it made perfect sense when everything started to, you know, when Napster came out, I was like, right, this was, this was inevitable. And, um, so, you know, like I said, when (laughs) I'm not one to, I'm not Don Quixote, I'm not going to like yell at the windmill. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sane and I choose my battles. And that's what I was like, y'all go and fight this. I will support you, but. I am gonna. I'm just gonna ride the waves best I can, and I also am a performer. I think it is it affects people very, very differently if their main gig is um, songwriting um, and making records. Yeah, very different situation. Yeah, but in COVID, you're forced. I mean, you're not or you're not able to perform. So yeah, so it made a bad situation worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you couldn't so, make so money you... selling CDs. So now we're trying to stream things and make people come to the live show. No, it was, it was horrifying. It was just absolutely yeah. horrifying. Um, you were able to write it out because you had, uh, Oh, I'm, yeah, I, I've built a family and I, and my wife has income and I've, you know, did what I could, but no, it was, it was, yes, I was able to write it out. And so that's partially why I didn't do much streaming at all because I didn't want to take up space for the people that did need it. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now you're, you do have a large following on Spotify and I, I know that the, it's point zero 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 three seven again, depending on the artist, but something to that effect per stream. You've got one hundred four thousand, I believe, monthly subscribers. Yeah. Um, so there, I'm hoping that there is some income. Coming yes, in. I okay. do have there income, is, and I. Okay. But I have income because I've. You, now I'm thinking, do, do I have nine or ten? I can't. <laughs> I've lost. I've lost count. But <laughs> I have. Yeah. But I, bec- I the reason that I have income from all of those records and it's not enough to live on at all but it's enough to put gas in the tank is that i've written pretty much every note uh, i share yes. percentages with a couple people because right. of because they you know they were fully there when the writings were present but i am the writer so record sales aside anytime something is streamed you have a mechanical and you have a you know a regular royalty and wherever the regular royalty goes, whether it's my record label, someone else's label, some record I'll never get back, I get paid as the writer. Yep. And that is why 
it is if you are looking to try to make any kind of money um, on recorded music, not being the writer is a bad idea. <laughs> now, if you just want to record be- music and have a great time and have people listen to it and enjoy, you know, I'm saying it's like, do you want to fight the thing or do you, do you would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And I'd rather be happy and I'd rather just, you know, like play music and whether it's mine or other people's, whatever. Yeah. But like, I'm not, you know, I'm a realist. I'm not going to bank on making money off of a thing that was was a huge risk to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And I also, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go, please. I feel like I'm just ranting. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it is hard for me to feel sorry for myself or sorry for anybody who has the gift of playing an instrument and getting to do that as a thing. That gift is so huge and so beautiful and it's it's just just affected my life in just the biggest way. But the fact that like I don't have another job is not, that's fine. Like if I need to get a job in order to do what I do, I'll get a job. Mm -hmm. If I need to find another source of income in this insane you know, in in game capitalism gig economy, then I will. And so to be all up in arms about the unfairness and injustice, well, like, good lord, welcome to the market. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so for me it's just it's so you know, I look at people who have like toured the world and have played music and have had so much love given to them and they're whining about like making less money. And I'm like, good Lord, do you know what actually holding down a job is really like? It's, it's so hard. Yeah. It is so hard to be part of the actual workforce. You know, it's like to be an essential worker that we now understand what those people go through. That's work. Playing music is not. Yeah. So it is just so hard for me to go like, okay, another billion, another huge company is going to make a billion dollars off your ass. But you're playing guitar, man. You're singing. You're doing your thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's so it's my level my my ability to sympathize ends where people go, but I don't have as much money. I'm like, did you go into this thinking you would make a lot of money? Right, right, God's right. sake. So that's kind of where I my standpoint is like the joy is still here. Yeah, the joy is never going to leave you. And if it's all if it's just about the money, then you, I think that I'm sad for you. Okay, so so we're, I'm cognizant of time. I want to make just one comment and then two last questions. So I want to bring back, there was a, a student who was in here in the master class who you recommended that he compose. And I don't think you had a mercantile motive in, in mind at the time. You were telling no. him, compose, because that will help you understand music or that will bring out something more in your playing. And I loved that. So I just wanted to add that on to the, you know, because you were saying earlier, like, you know, if you compose, then obviously you make more money for streaming. Well, level, you know. yeah, but yeah. I'm saying like, Okay, let me let me let me just let me contextualize that. Ten records, pretty much everything is my composition, and they're all available to be st- for streaming, I believe. And I still make enough money to pay my home and <laughs> my home and car insurance, and maybe you know splurge on one thing. It is not a lot of income. Yep. Ten records, two decades in. So let's just. That is what I wanted to clarify. Okay, yeah. Yes, I make, I do make some, but it is not, you know, it's, it's, I, it, there's no guarantee. So I don't even think of, honestly, I don't even think of that as income. I just sort of, you know, it comes in at the end of the year, I pay tax, and then I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, you know, great, we got a little gravy. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, okay, so last last two questions. Um, I'm just wondering about, so you mentioned, you know, during COVID, um, you weren't inspired to, you know, put a mic on your on your guitar or, or, or live stream nope. so much. Just what about just in terms of practice and playing? Were you nope. playing less, more? No. Okay. <laughs> Again, I'm relieved to hear this. But oh my god. Okay. So who am I playing for? Why am I yeah. playing? People are dying. Yeah. This terrifying disease has taken over the world. People were stuck. I mean, like, who, I don't want to. So here, here's something I did learn. I really didn't play much guitar. I was very depressed. I was focusing on my kids, which really saved me. Um, but and I was scared and and you know let's not even go near anything near politics but that was also just the worst and i um you know my there was really there but you know i'm sad i'm sad there wasn't as much solace that i normally would have in the guitar so what i did learn is that um i think i said this on stage i i've i've played a couple of sort of experimenting covid COVID safe shows Mm. right like outdoor pods uh, masks yeah. only, you know, the whole, yeah. and then after vaccination, there was like a, a week long period where we were inside without masks and it was great. And then it was, you know, it's been all over the place, but at some point, and I don't remember which show it was cause there's only been a few, which is silly, but I just said, look, here's the thing guys. I am so glad you're here cause I can't ever play to the level of, a, to, I can never fulfill my potential. In my basement to my phone. Yeah, I the the pressure and excitement of the live stage and live moment is the only way I'm gonna get to the place of excellence that I that I know I can. Okay, is the only way. I'm not gonna like passionately delve in in my basement on my on my phone with a cameraman person woman. You know, I'm just it's never going to be like that. And so I'd rather do something else with my life and, you know, occasionally play in the park. Yep. Then try to make some half measure out of this terrible situation. And that's how I felt. I love, love the honesty. Um, <laughs> so last question. So you have um, a, lot of, a lot of songs to choose from. What song would you like people to remember you by? Or what oh song would you God. like to go out with, at least, on this podcast? My um, manager and dear friend keeps mentioning the song Neanderthal, which is from my second record, and he he was with his, he's he's he brings it up all the time as this song that moves him and inspires him in this way, and and so I think it would be that one because he's sort of giving me a new. He's like made me look at my old music in a new way, which I appreciate. I appreciate that you didn't pick something off of the new album. Definitely, you know, that's something to tell your communist friends. You did not make a mercantile answer. I, w- I couldn't make a mercantile decision if it was sitting right there in front of my face. I'd be like, let's make the really terrible financial decision and do that instead. Right, that well, sounds more fun. Neanderthal it is. And Khaki King, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dan.